Hello, Hello Internet. Internet. I'm Ewan Spence. I'm Matthew Carr. I'm Scott Reed, and this is Duke Box Jury. We've got music from Spain, the United Kingdom, from Azerbaijan, from Israel, and Portugal in reverse order. That's your jukebox jury, coming up now. Yes, good afternoon, good morning, good evening, welcome. It's another jukebox jury. You heard that in the opening, you heard the song, Countries We're Gonna Do. And of course, if you know your Eurovision, you know the songs, you know the singers. If you don't, you know what, you're in for a great, wonderful, exciting voyage of audio discovery coming up. It's going to be a pleasure to take you through these five songs, as we do for all 40 songs at the Song Contest and all the news and everything else. For myself, you and Spence, the team at ESC Insight and all of the friends of the parish, two of whom have joined me today in the jury room to go through the songs from the aforementioned countries. First up, long-term jukebox juror Matthew Carr. Hello, Matthew. Hello, Ewan. We're back here again. Eurovision is getting ever closer. Were there any gems that we left behind in the national final season? Ooh, I, I actually had quite a bit of time to follow some of the national finals this year, which I don't always. Uh, and I did enjoy them. Um, nothing springs to mind because, you know, I'm very much of the thinking that if it didn't win... <laughs> It probably wouldn't have done that well at Eurovision. I mean, there are exceptions, of course, because it depends on the voting systems. We all know that. But um, I don't know. I don't get too attached to songs in national finals. I think uh, I love that the kind of process of seeing the contest take shape. And I do think it was a bit of a weak start. And then it picked up. And as happens every year, by the time we get to the contest in May, we're like, best Eurovision ever. Hey, don't think I didn't notice you failed to mention a song there, Matthew. We will have discussions <laughs> about that later in post-production. Also joining us in the jury room, Scott Reid. Hello, Scott. Hello, it's another international call-up. I'll take this. <laughs> it is indeed, yes, from the other side of Scotland. But, you know, we'll still have him on the pod anyway. <laughs> National final season, I know for you, Scott, that there were a handful of songs that you're never going to forget. I think, and uh, you and this is all your fault, in terms of like uh, half of San Remo is probably the correct answer for songs that unfortunately didn't make it. Um, I'm also still team uh, Synfharp from France, um, I have to say. Um, there's there's a few, but it's, it, it feels like most of the good ones got through this time. So Indeed. Well, we don't have France in this show. We are going to finish up with Spain, uh, United Kingdom before that. Azerbaijan before that, Israel before that, Portugal in a second. We're going to have a listen, you have a listen, we're going to come back and we're going to discuss Maro's entry for Portugal, Sarad Sarad. Saudade, saudade there, and Portugal doing what it does best at the Eurovision Song Contest. Just being Portugal, selecting a really nice Portuguese number for Festival de Canção. If it does well, it does well. If it doesn't do well, it doesn't do well. And yeah, I, I love Portugal's attitude that way. 
Yeah, I think that's absolutely right. And, you know, Portugal's going to Portugal, let's face it. And one time out of about 50, it worked really well. Um, but they just need to keep doing what they're doing because actually this is really stunningly beautiful. It's so haunting. Her voice is just so unique. I can't think of another voice like that at Eurovision. She's got this kind of it's incredibly haunting. And what I love about it is, I don't know, are there different versions, Portuguese, English? Or is it, is it, does it start in English and then go into Portuguese? I'm a little, because what we just heard there was Portuguese, but I thought what I would listen to was, um, I tried so hard. I thought, oh, she's singing in English about a Portuguese concept, which is this saudade, please excuse my pronunciation, uh, which is, you know, untranslatable, supposedly. And it's melancholy, sadness, reflectiveness, untranslatable I can't translate it but it's saudade and she's explaining it she's saying it's just I think she misses someone I think it's probably bereavement and she's singing about this kind of beautiful melancholy but she's doing it partly in English about a Portuguese concept it's so cool it's so original um beautifully produced beautifully performed loving it yeah I think my I'm in the same boat here in terms of I hugely respect how Portugal approaches the song contest it's very much a mentality of we're going to do what we like and you know if you like it great and if you don't like it fine we've got our song um, in terms of this particular song it, it feels I really like it first of all I have to say I really like it it is a beautiful song to have playing in the background the only concern that I have is it is a beautiful song to have playing in the background I worry that it competitively maybe gets a bit lost um, but I wouldn't suggest Portugal change their approach for the world to be honest because a lot of countries would kill for having a situation where they go right we know what we're doing at uh, Eurovision this is our sound and this is what we go for I do love that this has this lovely dreamy feel um, I, I listen to it and I can feel the waves lapping up on the shore in Lisbon in the harbour uh, and just moving through but there's just a little bit of bite to this there are some songs that are just dreamy wavy and that's all they have this is dreamy wavy but just there's just a bit of oral friction that just allows you to grasp onto little bits of this song the only thing is as you say scott it does it just kind of like just wash away when it comes to the point of actually what am i going to pick up the phone and vote for yeah, is is it Ellie that's got the coffee shop Eurovision playlist? Because it feels it feels like um, it feels like it would fit a coffee shop Eurovision playlist. It's it's really nice, but I I, I always get scared when I say the word nice to do a Eurovision, and I, I accept the point that there's a little bit of friction that's not completely just you know um, safe. It's not in any way safe, but um, yeah, it could just drift past people to continue the tortured wave analogy, I suppose. <laughs> yeah, I mean, Portugal has done this before, notably when they hosted and came dead last. Um, it's a different song, obviously, but in terms of this beautiful, haunting melancholy, this this has been done before and it didn't go well. Every song is different, though. It's not because X equals X that Y equals X necessarily. Uh, I do actually think this is a bit stronger than previous efforts that haven't got the points. Um, I, I just wanted to say, you and you were talking about that dreamlike quality. They've done something really smart here. There's um, a synth line um, and they've done like a detune on it. So it's kind of constantly shifting in and out of tune. And that's genius. First of all, it's very modern. It's what we do nowadays when you have a kind of trap track or something like that. But they've used it in this sentimental ballad in 6-8. 
I'm not a fan of songs in 6-8. I will make the exception for this one because it is so beautifully done. It's not a cliched 6-8 ballad. It's haunting all of the above. I, do, I also feel the waves lapping on the shore. Really beautiful stuff. And now you've mentioned about the shifting tempo, it becomes a little bit more clear to me, the idea that the song shifts itself out of passivity when you're listening and suddenly your brain has to actively listen to it because it's just slightly to the side. Not enough where you go, oh, that's ugly. In fact, it's actually mm. really beautiful uh, when you just do that slight, slight bend up. Um, you know, you hear it a lot when Status Quo are doing Caroline live, but it just makes you an active listener. This is where we kind of have to be quite brutal because competitively, I feel this is going to struggle. And much as I love it, for Eurovision, for me, it is a miss. I'm really torn on this one. And I have been given a Portuguese entry in the past, which was very divisive. And we chose to give, all of us, uh, Conan Osiris, three hits, even though we had previously discussed that none of us thought it would qualify at the semi-final. I find myself in a similar situation. It might not qualify, and we would all know why. However, I do think it's so beautiful. I think Joey's will get on board with it. So I, I, mm, I'm going to give it a hit because it is just beautiful and it deserves, it deserves the respect. Portugal has done Portugal the best possible way. Hit. Yeah, like I, I deeply respect, unlike this song, because respect sounds like that old you gotta respect what they're doing thing that people say when they don't like a song. I deeply respect and like this song. Um, I do, don't, I can't see it getting through the semi finals. I'd love to see it get through the semi finals. I do worry that juries might get a bit discombobulated by it and it might not translate for them on stage. So I have to give it competitively a miss. So there we are. Portugal opens up this round of Jukebox Jury. Remember, of course, these are just our opinions. They can change because of what we see on the screen, in rehearsals, and because, you know, because music is individual tastes. So by all means, leave your comments back at the website and let us know what you think, www.eseinsight.com. And we're going to carry on with Israel, because of course we are. This is second in the running order. It's Michael Ben David singing I Am. You know I am. That was uh, Michael Ben David and I am, I am, <laughs> it's an I dot M, it's a strange setup that uh, in terms of how it's been written, not I am what I am, that's someone else. And not I am jolly, that's nope, that's somebody <laughs> else as well. <laughs> that's quite the reference. <laughs> I get, it's, 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 it's a chaos bop, isn't it? It's kind of like, I, I don't know if I've just created a genre there, but um, I get slight golden boy vibes from this, but not quite in the, not quite as golden. Silver Boy vibes. I don't know. Um, it's it it's fun. It is very fun. I, I will give it that. Um, I think the battle on this one is I, I I like it a bit, and then I'll listen to it, and then I'll go off and do something else, and I've completely forgotten it, and that's a slight concern for me. Um, so I don't know. I think this is all in the staging and personality, and we don't really know the full package of what we've got yet. 
I've heard some other kind of um, artists being referenced on Jukebox Jury this year. I think we've had Johnny Cash. We've had Taylor Swift. The, the artist I'm going to be mentioning here as a reference is um, the much beloved singer and performer RuPaul. Because let's face it, this sounds like a song from RuPaul's Drag Race, which for those of you who don't know, is a competition for drag queens. And towards the end of the competition, they have a moment where they adapt a RuPaul song and they include a little rap or a verse that they've done themselves. Something like they do their own little rap. It goes something like this. Let me try to freestyle something. Um, I'm a fierce queen going to steal the crown. All you other girls, you're going to be falling down. Like this kind of thing. You know, it, it's not it's not high art. And Mikhail. <laughs> Michael, basically, without being in drag, has given a, a gloriously queer song. It's incredibly gay. It's a celebration of everything to do with gay culture. Um, and yet, I feel like I've heard it done much better on RuPaul's Drag Race. <laughs> so um, taking nothing away from Michael, I think I think it's... It, it's fun. It's wonderful to see someone like that having so much fun on the Eurovision stage. It's going to be a moment. I just wish every element of it were a little bit better. I wish the melody were a bit better. I wish the production were a bit better. I don't think it's quite there. I think it feels a little bit flimsy, a little bit plasticky. But as a queer anthem, Eurovision is a place for it. It's a very welcome addition to the lineup. Um, but I just think it's lacking a little bit of quality. Thank you very much for the exp explanation about RuPaul. That has helped me immensely, Matthew. <laughs> um, strange enough, I have, I have two things written down here. The first one I've got written down is brassy. There's just the instrumentation around this. It feels like it's tuned for the dance floor. I think that's the sort of same ethos that you get from that sort of drag race, high energy, the campness. This is the song that I think when you get into Turin is going to go big in the hall. This is going to be the great big party number. I come back to the question of if you're sitting at home in a comfy sofa, are you going to want to get up and dance? It's got to get through the semi-finals because you will have that feeling um, on on Saturday night. But um, and it's not an influence here. I'm going to mention artist-wise. Um, it's the fact that at that point where where the music just um, drops away, I just hear the Pointer Sisters jump from my love in my head. <laughs> and I suppose if you're going for the big gay classic to fill the dance floor. There are far worse songs that can come spring to mind than the Pointer Sisters jump coming through there. But it is by the numbers, Matthew. It is, yep, we know how this goes. We don't know the staging Scott, but I think we can have a pretty good idea what it's going to look like. Mm. Um, love to be surprised. We're very early in the process here, even though it's mid-April, early mid-April when this goes out. But yeah, it's just like, this is a nice good solid entry feels like Tottenham Hotspur uh, in the Premier League just to get a sports ball reference into balance of RuPaul <laughs> in that occasionally it works really really well but most of the time it's mid-table yeah I what what Matthew was saying about a slight lack of quality here rings true for me it's like I can't put my finger on what's missing here but something is lacking and it is one of those ones where it could pull it off in the staging and confidence, but my default to this is I don't think it really quite has it. So in that regard, I would say it's probably a miss. I think it's a maybe for me, just to come back, because I forgot the concept of the show as well, <laughs> there as well, is, you know, as I said, it's a Tottenham Hotspur. It's, you know, it's got as good a chance as any at the start of the show. As we get further, closer and closer to the end, it might fall away. We'll just have to see. But for me, that goes down... As a maybe. 
I'm now trying to turn Tottenham Hotspur into the name of a drag queen. And I think Totty N Hotspur is quite a good name. I've got a gift, guys. I've got a gift for coming up with drag names. Never done drag. Not really interested in doing it. Because I'm pretty sure you've got a lot of gifts. I've got plenty of gifts, which I frequently send to my friends. And I also got a gift for drag names. So Totty N Hotspur in season four of, of UK Drag Race. Meanwhile, um, I just have to say that I am is not a pun. It's not a pun. It, it doesn't work. Mm. It's the kind of pun that people come up with when they don't speak English <laughs> as a first language because it's not a pun. I am going to the shops. I am <laughs> proud of myself. It doesn't work as a pun. <laughs> but why not? If it had worked as a pun, we might it might be more memorable because we'd be like, oh, it's the song with the chicken noises or something, you know? And it doesn't have that pull. I am not a pun. <laughs> So I'm swithering between a miss and a maybe. I'm only veering towards maybe because we are lacking in up-tempo songs this year. And so I think it might scrape through on that. But I do think there's a quality missing. I'm going to have to give it a miss, even though I'm glad it's in the competition. So song three, moving on. Azerbaijan, Fade to Black. No, not that Fade to Black. This is September the first ruling play. It's going to be a new song and it's going to be sung by Maddie Rustamli. Need some time to fix this, can't you wait? We can't afford to mess this, you back up slowly through the door. You always go and blame the weather, the weather. Azerbaijan there and fade to black from Nadia Rustamli. It's all a bit dramatical, musical theatre, I felt, with this one. It's just sort of heavy with emotions, like one of those nice, big, weighted blankets. One of the things that really intrigues me about this, curiously enough, is how they're going to stage it. This could quite easily be stand on stage. This could be stand on stage with smoke drifting through. This could be a great big lights show. Because Azerbaijan have done that in the past. I mean, there, there was... 2015 they just brought in this entire staging concept of id ego and super ego finding off on the stage in the background um so i'm totally intrigued by what the visual to this is going to be because i think that that unlocks it because it's like the chorus feels more like a bridge there's no extra lift at the two minute mark in terms of vocal capacity it's just a little bit more instrumentation at the moment, it feels too angsty, but it doesn't quite believe in itself. And I need to see the visuals on this one to to get any sort of hang on it. Uh, my immediate reaction to this is it is too. It's almost too early to tell. It doesn't feel as much to it. And the reprise of like you always go and blame the weather is an interesting thing to keep repeating. Um, probably it's a very deep meaning that I'm missing. Um, I don't know. It does just. It doesn't feel like there's much to cling on to here in a year we have a lot of introspective quiet slowness it does feel like it well fades to black um but i i it depends on the staging it really does i don't want to completely write it off it feels like it may be too early to tell yeah i agree and i think when you say scott nothing to cling on to for me that's actually just because the song is not actually really 
that great. It's just it's just okay. I think if there were a much stronger composition here, we'd have more of an idea of how they could stage it. The fact that we're kind of grasping at straws about how are they going to stage it. Well, I think the song should give you a strong indication of, of what I'm meant to be feeling. That's what a song does. <laughs> you shouldn't need the staging to know how you're meant to feel about it. And it's just not that great a song. I think it's, it's good, but it's not exceptional. And I feel like they've done it again, really, Azerbaijan. They, they kind of have really good singers and sometimes the song doesn't live up to the potential. Getting that sad boy thing where you are where it's meant to be haunting you're meant to get chills and like feel emotional i don't feel emotional listening to this i i feel nothing so and it tips over into dull i think and that's that's a shame because yes maybe they'll bring a man in a box but if, if they have to rely on a man in a box then i cry for my profession of songwriting <laughs> and i say please couldn't you have just got a good song so you don't need the man in the box I mean, Matthew, uh, you've been at writing camps for various projects, not just the song contest. Talk about that process. Do the, the sort of sharp edges that make a song stand out, do they get dulled off in these sort of songwriting camps? Why is it that Eurovision has that thing that you said there of the, of the great singers and the songs just a step behind? I think there's so, we could do a whole podcast on this, year. It, it's one of the things that I find the most fascinating. Krista Bjorkman spoke about the alchemy between singer and song. And that's it for me, is when the singer latches onto the song and it's the perfect match. So I'd say it's not an amazing song. This song could be amazing for someone else. I think for this singer, there's no magic. Mm -hmm. There are no sparks flying. And so if I were to be sitting down with him and saying, how can we get you a competitive entry at Eurovision? We should be writing something that is utterly unique, really personal and incredibly powerful for him, for this specific singer. And the problem when you talk about writing camps is when songs are written in a vacuum and you're like, well, this is a good song. Let's try and get someone to sing it. That A&R process is a real skill. I think there are fewer and fewer A&Rs. So A&R, for those of you that don't know, is artist and repertoire. It's the people like the Simon Cowles, the ones at the record company who team up songs and singers. And it doesn't really happen much anymore because most singers co-write or write their own stuff. So the skill of getting the right song for the right singer at the right time in the right context, that is a really fine art. And I feel that they've got this song in. I don't know if he wrote it himself. It's not quite, it's not quite hitting. Yeah, for all the connection you can have with the lyrics, for all the performance, for all the moves, for all the visuals, if you don't make that connection, just feels one step behind where you actually want it to be one step further and then you have a song that's memorable for the ages <sighs> I, i'd love it to do high as i said yeah we were talking about the visuals beforehand but now it's kind of laid bare this yes i i again i'm wavering why am i being so undecisive it's azerbaijan it's like scott says they're gonna bring some staging probably <laughs> apart from that one year where they really didn't bring any staging and didn't do very well so uh, i don't want to no i don't want to have to rely on the staging as a song i feel nothing it's a ballad i feel nothing it's a miss I I have to admit I am convinced basically by Matthew here that I was swithering in a maybe but yeah there's there's no evidence here of anything that we can cling to and go this is gonna be amazing uh, it's got a perfectly good voice does not match the song doesn't feel like it's gonna do anything if they come up with incredible staging nothing we could do there we didn't know that was gonna be there so it's a miss for me as well 
You're listening to Three Angry Men with Henry Fonda, Leo Cobb, and Ed Begley Jr. And I'm Jack Glogman. Ah, I'm never going to be Quincy, though. Quincy MD, Quincy Jones, pick a pick. Not going to be. Right, okay. Uh, song number four. Before we do that, though, of course, we'll remind you www.escinsight, where you can leave your comments. And you can support us on Patreon as well. Patreon.com slash escinsight. Matthew probably has a place where he's promoting his musical wares as well. Uh, I mean, if you're curious, you can go to magica.com. Uh, today was announced one of the most exciting things of my life. Turns out I've co-written a song with Shaggy. Actual Shaggy. I didn't know that because oh. I never met him. But, you know, these things happen. I wrote on a song. <laughs> Shaggy did a rap on it. So, yeah, check it out. Wow. Shaggy. What's that, Scoobs? Uh, <laughs> I can't decide whether to go for a Casey Kasem reference or whether to go it wasn't me. Uh, anyway, uh, and Scott, uh, you're not going to mention your work, are you? No, but... Uh, no, and, lovely, and, right. And also, we'll go on with... <laughs> I, I, I can't possibly follow that, can I? You can follow me on Twitter if you like. That's e, uh, e. Scott Reed. But otherwise, yeah, nothing to, nothing to show. <laughs> right then, okay. Uh, United Kingdom is our fourth song in this round of Jukebox Jury. It's Sam Ryder and Space... There is a space in the title, man. So that's space, space, man. Which is a bit like Shaggy and Scooby. So, yeah. Space, space, man. By Sam Ryder. If I was an astronaut, I'd speak to satellites. My navigation systems would search for other life. That was Sam Ryder, Space Man, the UK's entry in Eurovision 2022. I might just say that again because I'm still processing this information. The UK's entry in Eurovision 2022 is Sam Ryder, the most followed musician on TikTok in the UK. Yep. Bigger than Ed Sheeran. Bigger than Ed Sheeran. Bigger. It's bigger. Um... (laughs) Much bigger than the chap who sang Bigger. Now, I I am going to get emotional. We're not going to be angry men anymore. At least I'm certainly not. I am already feeling totally overcome with emotion at the fact that I get to come on Jukebox Jury and talk about this kind of artist representing my home country at Eurovision. I am so thrilled. I cannot even put it into words. So tap management were asked to take on the role of doing a consultancy for the BBC to find the artist and the song. They very, I think, courageously looked outside of their own roster and just thought, we're just going to do what's best for the contest and best for the BBC. They asked Sam Ryder. He jumped at the opportunity because he loves Eurovision, properly loves Eurovision. Um, I, I just, I'm a little bit speechless. The song, I think, is great. I don't know if it's a winning song, but I think he is a winning performer. And I think we genuinely need to be thinking that the UK deserves, with this kind of artist, to be right up there. Now, will they? People around me the whole time are saying, oh, I hope we can come 15th. I'm like, 
goodness me, if we come 15th with an artist of this calibre, with such control, such expression, such charisma, so good on screen, I think we can be a little disappointed. So, yeah, I, 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 I need a moment. I need a moment. Let's just, just redo that introduction very slightly. Let's say, and now, Sam Ryder singing Spaceman for Sweden. And it feels utterly natural and right. And of course, Sweden would send that. And it would be up at the top five. It would be leading uh, in the fan polls. It would be in that group. And in the same way that we were talking about Amsterdam bringing staging, there is a perception, certainly in the community, of what a, what a broadcaster can deliver. The BBC delegation, there, there is an expectation of what they can deliver. And that's based on the previous year's song. Because when every de- every broadcaster has a different toolbox, and the BBC doesn't have many tools in its toolbox because of the unique way that it's funded, but it's used all of those tools correctly, and it's when you know we're missing we're missing a Phillips head screwdriver. Tap's got one. There, there we go. Let's let's bring that in. And I feel that up to the point of where we're recording this, which is just after the London Eurovision party, they've played every card with the right tools correctly yes i'd agree with that i think even launching it uh, on the one show which is a popular evening uh, evening entertainment magazine program in the uk a live vocal of, of sam wandering around a venue um an empty space with a handheld mic which incidentally is what i suspect they're going to do on stage in turin i suspect he's going to be moving throughout the whole performance because in every live setting i've seen he has a handheld mic and he's moving in it and engaging with the camera and giving a vocal that was live i promise you that was live and yet when i sent it to some friends and peers and colleagues of mine they say oh it's a shame he was lip syncing i'm like nope live vocal that is how good it is i cannot put into words what an exceptionally amazing live vocalist sam rider is and how privileged we are to have him representing the uk it's all right, Scott. We're going to talk about the song in a second. Don't worry. Um, Matthew, I'm going to pick you up because, yes, they did launch it on the one show, but they released it two weeks before. They released it two weeks before and nobody knew it was a Eurovision song and it was at 3 minutes 25. So even though I was watching Sam as an artist at that point, I went, oh, it's not a bad song. Yeah, I'll do it. Oh, it's more than three minutes. It's not going to be that one. And it was like Radio 1's record of the week and it, was, it made the, the Radio 2 playlist. Uh, and then once everybody had sort of got comfortable with it in the industry... Then they went, oh, by the way, that's the Eurovision song. Well played, BBC. Well played. Genius. Absolute genius. Because then, you know, and Sam even said very clearly he wanted to give the song its own life before it became a Eurovision song. That's so smart. He's He is smart. I'm excited. Okay, Scott, we can talk about the song now. Yeah. Um, I have to take you on the journey I've had with this song to explain the backdrop. Um, when I initially heard that I wasn't hugely into it. And I mean the radio slash Spotify slash whatever version of it. Um, It did feel like it had more punch than most UK entries that we've sent. And it's got the little driving guitar-y bit. But it felt a bit safe initially. Now, since then, I've obviously seen him sing the piano version um, and been exposed to quite how good his vocal is. Um, He's clearly... he is a fantastic live singer. There's absolutely no doubt about that for me. The concern, the slight concern that I have here is whether that gets lost in all the production and all the gloss. 
Um, so I, I like him a lot. The song is growing on me. And whenever I say a song grows on me, that worries me a little because you get one go at Eurovision. So I really want to be wrong here. I want I, I, I want to believe, frankly, this is the moment where the BBC suddenly punches through and gets it spot on and doesn't have a drummer dressed as a spaceman where we focus on that for a minute at a time uh, or whatever could possibly go wrong here. I want to believe that they will give him the room to let that amazing vocal fly because if they, if they do, they've got an option for like huge jury points. I mean, I don't disagree, Scott, actually. And I think we can all agree he is exceptional and the song is really good. Really, really good song. Is this the best song in the contest this year? I'm not sure. However, he is so good for me. It, the, the whole entry has to be a hit. It has to be because for three minutes, I am glued to my screen and my ears. I get chills. I get chills up and down my spine. So the song is enabling Sam to give me chills. So it's a hit. Having the best song in the contest, you still have to have the best singer, the best performance, the best choreography, the best bit of luck, the best meme, the best gift, the best share on social media networks. There are so many moving parts in in this contest. But you, the more of those you can get right, the better chance you have. And he's got a great song for his voice. And yeah, and yet we're back to that Scott Bird up there. There's the question over staging because the BBC in the past have tended to go a little bit more variety Saturday night Saturday night takeaway Noel's house party that that sort of big bright gaudy and I look at the official video and he's in a big seat and it flies through the sky and there's smoke around and I'm going are you going to have him in a flying chair <laughs> but if we were talking about this as I said before if we said this was the Swedish entry then I'll be thinking, just stick him out in the satellite stage. This is a perfect song to be sung in the round, completely surrounded by the audience and nothing else. So yeah, there is a question mark over there. But you know what? Nobody scored any points yet. So it's still a blank canvas and I am going to give it the benefit of the doubt purely because all the tools up to this point have been used correctly. So... I'm thinking if they've done wholesale and just reworked all their PR and strategy and everything beforehand, they must have looked at everything else going forward. So I am going to support that. Hey. I really want you both to be right here. I really want to be wrong. I want someone to, I want everyone to play me this recording at the end when the UK's won and we're hosting in Glasgow next year or whatever we're doing. Edinburgh, we're hosting in Edinburgh next year. <laughs> Glasgow, Edinburgh, you yeah, know, that sort of thing. That, that, that thing we did in Eurovision, that could work again. Um, yeah, I, I want to be wrong here. I still have hesitations. I still have to go back to when I initially heard the song, which I always have to judge it as. Um, he has incredible vocals and if they just get out of the way and let those vocals fly rather than, you know, metaphorically fly rather than having them flying around the stage it could be a massive, like it, it could grab the jury points um, my inclination is more mid-table I could be wrong, so I'm gonna say maybe so yeah, two hits and a maybe there for the United Kingdom. It does mean that Sam is taking the lead uh, in this round of Jukebox Jury with one song to go from Spain. So, closing out, Chanel, slow-mo. <laughs> Rompe cadera, rompe 
corazones solicite una That was Chanel. Am I pronouncing that correctly? I'm, that was Chanel and yeah. Slow Mo. <laughs> As you taps his neck. <laughs> to, to it's the international sign language BSL for Chanel, isn't it? Indeed. That worked very well. Ewan, what do you reckon, Talon? We've heard this before, haven't we? We've heard this a lot before at the song contest. Um, it, it's Slow Mo, it's Replay, it's El Diablo, it's Loco Loco, it's Fuego, it's Chameleon, it's Monsters, it's Miracle. And there's a reason for that. It's it's a popular style of song. It, it's in the charts all the time. It's relatively safe. It's not threatening at all. You know, there's there's not a lot of reason to not like it. But it does take something to elevate a song like this and that happens very rarely at the song contest fuego for all that the fan community love it is an outlier somebody pointed out in the comments previously we didn't call fuego when we got to jukebox jury uh, and it's because we just had the song we didn't know that it was going to suddenly generate the meme of yay yay fire that caught the attention that pulled that up the rankings to get it up into second place that sort of thing can happen to any song. But in isolation, Fuego was just one of countless high-energy, highly choreographed tropical pop. I want to say tropical pop, Matthew. I, you know what? I actually don't know what this genre is called. It's kind of Latino, Latin influence. Well, if Hispanic. we don't know, let's can we just call it Keith? <laughs> I mean, if you don't like Keith, we could call it Jim. <laughs> I mean, in terms of this gym kind of music, I, no, because gym music sounds like the music you listen to at the gym. Doesn't work. Let's call it Keith. Um, I mean, in terms of this kind of music, the one thing that's interesting, Ewan, is that you listed all those previous Eurovision entries that have this, whatever we want to call it, Keith style music, the Latino bop. Uh, but Spain hasn't really sent it. And Spain hasn't sent this kind of Spanish languagey stuff in this genre Desposito was the biggest song of the year a few years ago and Spain didn't capitalise on it and I was thinking you've got an open goal here it's your language why are you not going with that and they kept they were doing all kinds of other stuff like cheesy Disney ballads and they weren't just doing a Desposito and the only thing with this is that yet again I think the performer is better than the song I think Chanel is actually an exceptional performer like her her actual physicality of being able to dance like that and sing in tune and on time is really not not easy. And she does so with charisma. Um, I think she's great. The worst part of the song is the chorus. Let's be honest. It kicks in and it goes, Oh dear. It, that, that's the same quite low note four times in four crotchets in a row. That's not a great hook. Fuego worked not only because of the memes, but also because that chorus is an absolute banger. Because I'm way up and I'm coming down. It's a proper melody. And when you're doing these kind of songs, they live or die by the quality of the actual melodic content. The chorus comes to this song, slow-mo, and everyone's like, oh, 
This bit's a bit boring. What's the next bit? That was the chorus. That was the chorus. And it was the boring bit. I... Spain must have been delighted when they got to like uh, when they heard all the other acts and realised there was a lot of slow songs and Cyprus were going down a different road this year Um, because this leaves them in quite a good spot for me Um, I agree entirely that the performer here is fantastic and in Benidormfest and there was a lot going on at Benidormfest but um, it didn't feel like it was quite all there at that time but I haven't seen performances since and seen uh, the video from the London Eurovision party I think she could bring it, and I'm not as concerned about the slow mo mo mo. But like, I get that's nowhere near a fuego. Um, but I think like it gives us enough of a hook for anyone who isn't speaking Spanish or anything like that to cling on to. And I also think, basically, let's be honest with this one: though, the stage performance and the charisma will define this. And if she can sell it properly, it's a big, big song. If anything doesn't quite match or come together then it really doesn't work. And we are once again looking at the post-broadcaster and going, can you bring it? I will be very disappointed if we do not get four camera cuts on each of the mows in slow-mo. <laughs> it's got to be bang, 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 then cut to the wide truck, the dance move. I'll be very disappointed if they don't follow that quite clear marking for the visuals on that one. Look, success for this song, I think, is utterly at the mercy of the running order. Because... This can open. This could open mm. Eurovision on Saturday night. This could be the second last song in the running order, that big high energy before we have a little quiet epilogue from Sweden and Homey Closer that takes the trophy away with it. It could be lead in or lead out of the commercial breaks. It could be a spacer between two of the Sad Boy songs just to let them catch a breath. It's, it's, it's actually quite versatile in that sense. But again, it's, be, it's that versatility is there because... It is safe. And what what I really want for my numbers is, well, yeah, fire. This is very much a passively listened to song. Yeah. I mean, it, it's a tricky one because when you're confronted with such a an incredibly charismatic and pretty well staged and well choreographed number, um, it's difficult not to get swept up in it. And I must admit, I'm glad she won Benidorm Fest. And I think she's, you know, going to do pretty well at Eurovision, to be honest. Um I'm I'm hesitating again because and you know I'm just going to give it a maybe because I I really hope it does well. My concern is that songs that have pre-qualified for the grand final tend to either rise above the semi-finalists and then find themselves at the basically the top 5 or they don't and they stay in the bottom 5. And I have a terrible feeling that if like you say you and if the running order isn't kind then it could be an accidental bottom five simply because I'm not sure what the call to action is. So I'm going to give it a maybe. I think that's the first time we've mentioned call to action in the entire hour. Um, but if it's not, it still is missing that call to action. Yeah. I mean, it's a maybe for me. You could place it anywhere in the order. It could rise and fall what's around either side of it. It just doesn't reach out and make me want to replay it again. <laughs> I... I'm actually relatively... If Steve Cypress had sent this, we'd be kind of... I wonder if we'd have a slightly different approach to it. I We're, we're back to that expectations from, from broadcasters and delegations there, aren't we? We very much are. Um, I I take your point about the running order could kill it. Um, and I, I have my own reservations about whether everything will hang together in the night. But if it all hangs together in the night, there is a distinct lack of like 
big banger songs this year. Um, I honestly think it could crawl into the top ten. Um, so in that regard, I am head- hedging towards a sort of soft hit. So there we are. There two maybes and a hit for Spain. Not quite overtaking Sam Ryder and the United Kingdom there. So we have our winner at Jukebox Jury. Uh, Sam and the United Kingdom takes gold. Spain takes silver. Portugal takes the bronze. And Israel and Azerbaijan um, will get you your bus fare home, I think. Yep. Uh, right, okay. So we have a format that doesn't work, but, you know, let's still do it anyway, shall we? Uh, can the United Kingdom win the Eurovision Song Contest? You know what? Yes, it's it's a tight year. There, at the moment, there are some songs that are starting to pull ahead, but not by much. I'm not saying they will win. I'm saying they could win. But we still need all those tools that are yet to be used to be used correctly. There's a path there. It's a narrow one. There's a path. I don't see it. I honestly don't see it. It feels like a jury song, and I'm not sure that it becomes someone's favourite song that they pick up the phone and vote for. The wildcard element here is TikTok. If those TikTok followers, because they're not only in the UK, they are Mm. across the world, if they get converted into votes, this could win the televote. And I never expected myself to be saying that. But imagine if all of those people are like, oh, that's the guy. That's the guy we Mm. fell in love with during lockdown. In some crazy world like... Ewan says it's a fine line. There is a conceivable path where the UK wins the televote, does really well with the jury vote or vice versa, and does end up winning Eurovision. I've had people from across the continent and Americans actually saying, that sounds like the winner of Eurovision this year. And it's only when you get to the UK and us bruised fans, the ones who are carrying around our battle wounds for the years and years of being disappointed and coming 25th, 24th, 25th, 26th, 22nd, 24th. We're like, oh, I really hope we do better. Could this win? Yes, it could. (laughs) With an underline (laughs) under the word could. Um, I can't decide whether I'm now going to close off with 50 years of hurt or don't come home too soon. Um, if you're going to get any more RuPaul Drag Race references in, I'm going to balance them out with those ones there as well. So there we are, the United Kingdom there, finishing off this week's round of Jukebox Jury. Uh, thank you all out there for listening. Um, I'd like to thank my guests, first of all, Matthew Kerr. Absolute pleasure, as always, Ewan. And as always, we will have links back on the website to all of Matthew's musical properties. Uh, thank you to Scott Reid. Thank you very much, Ian. Pleasure as always. And we'll point you to Twitter on that one, I guess, as well, back on the website. Uh, thank you uh, to myself. That's a really easy one to do. Thank you to my wife for letting me do this all the time. Uh, and thank you all out there for listening as well. www.eseinsight.com. Your links, likes, loves, shares, the usual stuff that you can do on the internet. We all very much appreciate that. Uh, we'll be back next week with more Jukebox Jury. We'll be back later on in the week with our, the weekly news pod. And we'll have some chats over coffees and interviews uh, spread out between now and and when we get to Turin for those big shows on the 10th or 12th and the 14th of May. All right, guys, race for it. Guitars! Guitars! <laughs> You've been listening to Jukebox Jury, hosted by Ewan Spence with Matthew Carr and Scott Reid. Find out more at www.escinsight.com and support us at patreon.com slash escinsights. <laughs>